That's what it's all about. The word. Amen. 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 So let us go to the Lord in prayer. Oh, Master, Lemony, Father, dear Lord, we thank you, dear Lord, for this blessed day. We thank you, dear Lord, for your grace and mercy. You continue to pour out upon us, dear Lord. Oh, Father God, we ask, Lord, to prepare our hearts and our minds, dear Lord, for the teaching and the preaching of your word. In Jesus' blessed name, I pray. Amen, amen. and amen. So, well, you know, since I, I preach this morning already, and then, you know, our services is at 3 o'clock, afternoon services. So that's why I'm here, able to come tonight. So that's good. So I have, my wife asked me, are you going to preach the same message? I says, I don't know. <laughs> but in, my messages, never, they never come out the same, even though I plan it out that way. But uh, it's just all according to God's leading. But today, we're going to deal with the issue of anticipation. Anticipation. You know what I'm talking about. Most of you, you know, if you if at some point in your life, you were a little kid, right? Remember those days? And we anticipated something. And in our mind, in our young, immature mind, we we have this anticipation that whatever it is we we're hoping to receive. Let's talk about a gift. Right. You know how it was as a kid that this gift was going to satisfy or accomplish something in your life. So the day came. And it did not satisfy. Then as we got older, you mature and you move on to other things. In my case, I was a youngster, uh, probably about the uh, second or third grade in school. And we had a gift exchange. And I wanted a red fire truck, brother. A red fire truck. Nothing else but a red fire truck. So we had this gift exchange and uh, my mom took me to the store to buy the gift for the other child that I was going to exchange my gift with. Guess what? She bought him a red fire truck, you know, and I was a bit disappointed, you know. And uh, the day came that we brought the gifts to school and laid under the tree and we started to exchange the gifts. And I'm watching that gift that I brought in the red fire truck. It went to that kid and he was happy. And I said, my what about my gift? Then I saw what size the package was. I said, it couldn't be a fire truck. It's too small. I got some brown socks. <laughs> then they were too small. You know, so. But I got over it. I got over it. But you see, it is, it is part of our very nature that we have wants, needs, and desires. And it all, at some point, impacts us as far as anticipation. That's our nature. We anticipate everything in life that we go through. There's always an anticipation. But in this case now, tonight we're going to deal with the issue of uh, my Lord Jesus. So Isaiah, the ninth chapter and the sixth verse, it says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. You see, many have anticipated the coming Savior. Many have, have anticipated the coming Savior. You go back to the scripture and you examine the scriptures, and you can see those from the, the Old Testament era. They were anticipating a Savior. Because under the Old Testament, it was the law. It was all about the law. And there were some things the law could, did not address and deal with. And one of the things that the law will not address and deal with is, is the heart. 
You can go through the process. That all dot all of your I's and cross all your T's. But unless your heart changes, you are who you are. And if you don't know Christ as your Lord and Savior, lost is lost. Lost is lost. Amen. So today we're going to look at Luke, the 19th chapter. Luke, the 19th chapter, verses 1 through 10. Many of us are familiar with these verses. It's about Brother Zacchaeus. What do we know about him other than he was short? Tax collector. Who loves a tax collector? Nobody does. That's a unique group of individuals, a tax collector. Nobody wants to see them coming around. So you find as you examine the scriptures about him that he was not liked. But I want you to understand, I want you to realize something here. It doesn't matter who hates you. It doesn't matter who does not like you. Christ still died for you. He still died for you. And according to the word of God, when you get to that point in life where you recognize and you understand that I am lost. I cannot save myself. Nothing I can do can can reverse those chain of events if I don't know Christ is my Lord and Savior. Then I repent from my sins. And I realize and I understand what Christ did for me on the cross. He paid the price. And when you call out to him and say, Lord Jesus, save me. You're saved. You don't have to wait five days. You don't have to wait 10 days. It is instantaneous. So we're going to examine the scriptures and see what was going on here with Zacchaeus. So in verse one, it says, and Jesus entered and passed through Jericho and behold there was a man named Zacchaeus which was the chief among the publicans and he was what rich what does that mean that he was rich that means you had all of the material possessions that you think you might need you basically have no wants you live in the house you want to live in and in today's world you drive whatever you want to drive if you want to spend a night in Europe you just get in a plane and go you do whatever you want to do. All your physical, basically, basic, your physical desires, this fleshly desires are satisfied. And this man was what? Rich. And as we examine the scriptures, we realize from the scriptures is one simple thing. Christ still died for the rich. Christ still dies for the rich. It might be harder for them to see Jesus. But Christ still died for them. Cross reference for that. We don't have the time tonight. Matthew the 19th chapter. The young, your young ruler. But let's go back to, to, the, uh, to Luke here and see what it says. I want you to understand something about Zacchaeus. Something happened to Zacchaeus. The Lord reached out and touched his heart. Change. The Lord changed his heart. And with a change of heart, there's a change of the view of life. You see, you have a different perspective on life when the Lord touches your heart. And with Zacchaeus, after, after you will see here, there was a new view of eternity. He saw things differently. 
Then the questions that came across his mind is, who can save me? When that question is asked, who can save you? It's simple. Only Jesus can. Amen. Jesus saves. Not traditions and practices. It may make you look good, make you feel good. But at the end of the day, without Jesus, you're lost. And with Jesus, you're saved. Amen. And we see with Zacchaeus, you're going to see here, we see repentance. And then you see salvation. So verse 3, and it says here, And he sought to see Jesus, who he was, and could not from the press, because he was a little was a little stature and he ran before and climbed into the sycamore tree to see him for he was passed that way and when Jesus came to the place he looked up and saw him and said unto him Zacchaeus make haste and come down for today I must abide at thy house do you see what's going on here if you can't I'll try to break it down for you number one Something happened to the heart of Zacchaeus and he recognized and he heard about Jesus. So with that anticipation, he made it a point. I got to seek out Jesus. And when we are driven to seek out Jesus, he will answer. And Zacchaeus is not the only one. We have the lady with the issue of blood. And in her mind and in her heart, what did she say to herself? If I could just touch the hem of her garment, I know, I know for sure that I will be healed. So here's Christ in the crowd of individuals. And this lady reached out and touched the hem of his garment. And what's Christ's response? Who touched me? So what's that saying to us? What it's saying for us is this. When you are driven to seek out the Lord Jesus Christ, he will hear your prayer. He will respond accordingly. He'll respond accordingly. That's why it says in Psalms 30, 34 verse 6 says, The poor man cried and the Lord heard him and saved him out of his troubles. Amen. So back now to... Brother Zacchaeus. Let's see what the word has to say to us. Let's go down. To verse 7 now. And when they saw it. They all murmured. The people. Saw that Christ was what? Talking to Zacchaeus. The man that everyone hated because he's a tax collector. So guess what happens with us today sometimes. If we're not careful. We're complaining because the pastor is talking to somebody of a questionable background. We get that way. That's the flesh. That's the flesh. Sometimes we lose sight of the fact again now that Christ died for who? He died for the sinner. He died for the sinner. He died for you. He died for me. Amen. So some were questioning what Christ was doing. Some were questioning all this. And in verse 8, well, let's go back a little bit here to verse 7. Again, it says here, and when they saw it, they all murmured, saying that he had gone to be a guest with a man that is a what? 
sinner. So if you're here tonight and you call out to the Lord Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and he saved you, what does that mean? It means that at some point you recognize that you're a sinner in need of a Savior. And when you called out to him, the Lord Jesus responded accordingly. Amen. Amen. And then now it says in verse eight, and Zacchaeus stood and said unto the Lord, why is it? Why do they have the word stood in there by Zacchaeus standing up? He is acknowledging Christ for who he was and who he is. He is the savior. He stood up and responded and said, basically saying, I respect you for who you are. You are my savior. And listen to what it says here. When he stood up and then he said, behold, Lord, half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have taken any from any man by falsehood, I restore to him, restore him fourfold. You understood what's going on there? So here's a rich man. What is he saying? He's going to take half of what I have and I'm going to give it to the poor. So that means just like the disciples when they were called from being fisher, fishermen, what did they do? They dropped their nets and followed Christ. So here's this man surrendering to the Lord Jesus Christ. And now his, his response is this. In other words, this is showing his repentance that he's taking half of what he has and he's giving it to the poor. And those that he has defrauded, he's going to pay them back four times more. So now he's no longer a rich man. He's just another average Joe like you and me. So this man, he understood, Zacchaeus understood and realized the importance of what he had in Christ Jesus. You can be filthy rich, have everything in this world. But according to what the word says, let us better better yet. Let us turn to Mark, the, uh, the eighth chapter. Mark the eighth chapter. We wanted to, to turn. Let me let me take you over there. We take a look at Mark the eighth chapter. Mark the eighth chapter, verse thirty-six. Let's see what it has to say here. Because sometimes people think I'm making this up. You know, yeah, they think you're making it up. How could this be? How could God forgive me? Listen to what the word says here. For what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his soul? You can have everything in this world and guess what it means? It means nothing. It means nothing. You can't take it with you. I don't care how hard you, you know, I, I have some money in my pocket here. Let me pull it out and give you an example. Every so often I get called out to go to someone's house because somebody is deceased and let me show you something. I'm alive, right? If this is a $100 bill, I'll hold on tight to it. And you have a hard time getting it because, you know, I'm cheap. That's what my wife says. You have a hard time getting it out of my hand, right? But I want you to see this. If I am dead, it comes right out. Amen. There's no resistance. And all the stuff that you have is left behind. And someone gets it and someone will use and abuse it. And it has no impact on your eternity. If you know Christ as your Lord and Savior, 
according to what the word of God says. What will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and what? Loses his soul. Amen. Something to think about. Something to think about. So Zacchaeus recognized that. And I want you to pay careful attention to verse 9. And Jesus said unto him, This day, emphasis, this day is salvation come to this house. What does that mean? It's real simple, folks. It means saved. Didn't have to wait 10 days, 15 days, no waiting period. You know, no no escrow madness, none of that stuff. It is instantaneous. What a joy it is to know Christ as my Lord and Savior. The Lord is good to us. So Zacchaeus, that day, he was saved. Let's look, take a look now at verse 10. So in anticipation of a coming Savior, for the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which was what? Lost. Amen. So when we know Christ as our Lord and Savior, we go through a process of growth, growing in the Lord, Growing in the Lord. And how do you grow in the Lord? One key factor is prayer. Other key factor is reading the word. Other key factor is fellowship. Spoke to someone the other day. They were. Well, one of the things that I, let me explain to you. Maybe some of you don't know. One of the things that I do here in the county, I'm the Lyon County Jail Chaplain. So I see a lot of folks that, you know, trouble comes their way. Trouble comes their way, brother. You know, so I was talking to this one, on this, this one individual, and I said, well, where are you going to church? Well, they said, well, we don't go. We watch a guy on TV. I said, really? I said, wow, tell me more about this. You know, it's entertaining. I said, really? So I said, now, my next question to them was, Tell me what happens when trouble comes your way. Who do you call? Who prays with you? Fellowship is necessary. Fellowship is necessary. You can't make it out there on your own. Trouble will come your way. Well, pastor, is that, that's your idea? Where, where you got that from? Let's go to Hebrews, the 10th chapter. Hebrews, the 10th chapter, verse 25. It says here, not forsaking the assembly of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much more as you see the day approaching. Anticipation. Because of anticipation, because we know that one day, my Lord Jesus, he's coming back. He's coming back. What will he find you doing? I hope he finds me doing his work. Amen. The Lord is so good. So because the Lord is so good and I'm talking to my Lord Jesus, I am just always anticipating the Lord revealing himself by changing hearts. There's some people that attend our church like clockwork. Every Sunday morning, they're always there. But they're not saved. 
So I'm always praying and I'm always in that anticipating mode. <coughs> Excuse me. That one day. They will surrender to the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. And that and I'm anticipating that. And I realize that. I can't shake them into change. I can't sit down and talk to them till they found this. I can't take this anymore, preacher. Cut it out. You know, and even if I could do that, you know that they're doing it because they want some relief. They're tired of hearing my voice. You know, and I realize and I understand is that it's only through the Lord Jesus Christ, the working of the Holy Spirit that gets you to that point to where click. Now I see it. I need the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord Jesus, save me. The Lord Jesus, save me. The Lord is so good to us. What else I want to share with you is let's go to Romans. Romans, the eighth chapter. So when in anticipation, we realize and we understand. If you don't know Christ as your Lord and Savior. You're in trouble. That means you're lost. And if you know Christ as your Lord and Savior, and if Christ is not the main focus of your life, you're also in trouble. Why is that, Pastor? Well, spend some time in the Word, and you'll see it. You'll see it in the Word. If you go to Proverbs, we're still going to go to... uh, Romans, but I want to show you something over here in Proverbs, the third chapter. Most of you have these verses memorized. Proverbs, the third chapter and the fifth verse says this. Trust in the Lord with what? All in art. And lean not unto thy what? Own understanding. What does that own understanding mean? You know how it is. You know how we are. We want to do it our way, right? Not the Lord's way, because the Lord's way, we just don't like it. The Lord's way, number one, puts you in check. The Lord's way lets you know that your way is wrong. And sometimes we just don't want to give up our ways. But the word of God is clear. It's saying here, trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy what? Your path. You keep doing it your way, a train wreck. Is that that's 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 the final outcome, a train wreck. Wreck lives, hurt feelings. But when you stay focused on the Lord Jesus Christ, he will pour out his blessings upon your life. Amen. Amen. That's why in Romans 8 chapter Verse 28, it says, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to his what? Purpose. The Lord has a plan and a purpose for your life. I don't know what it is, but your life, you stay focused on the Lord. He make it really clear. What's your plan and what the plan and purpose is for your life. Amen. Then verse 31 says this. What shall we say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? Amen. And it all started. The day we were born. The Lord knew you by name. 
before you were born. Jeremiah, the first chapter. And the Lord sets before us a blessing or a curse. Choose, the Bible says, Deuteronomy 11th chapter. Choose you this day who you're going to serve. Make that choice. When we stay focused on him, it's a blessing. It's a blessing when we come to the understanding of what is saying here in verse 35 in Romans, the eighth chapter. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Who? What? What can separate us from the love of Christ? It says here, shall tribulations or distress, persecutions or famine or nakedness or peril or the sword? We have trouble in our lives at times. Sometimes everything is not smooth. Sometimes things happen. That's just not pleasant. And we say to ourselves, how could this be today happening to me? How could this be? Before you get too wrapped up in yourself, try to understand this. You are a child of the king. As a child of the king, nobody can take it away from you. What you have in Christ Jesus, it is priceless. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Then verse 36 says, as it is written, for thy sake, we are killed all the day long. We are counted as sheep for slaughter. Then verse 37 says, nay, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him that what? Loved us. And if the Lord loves you, he knows what's best for your life. And one of the things the Lord does for us, because we belong to him, especially when we start to slip, go the wrong way. This is what the Lord does for you because he cares for you. He's going to send somebody your way to talk to you. Chain of events. That's the way it goes. He's going to send somebody your way. And he's going to make it real clear. That it's him reaching out to you. And if you refuse to listen. What does the Lord do? He ratchet things up. He knows exactly what he has to do to get your attention. And believe me, he'll get your attention. Why does he do it? Because he loves you and because he cares for you and because he loves you and he cares for you. Verse 37 makes sense. Nay, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him that what? Loved us. And this is Paul speaking here. In verse 38, he says here, for I am what persuaded. In other words, he's saying, I am thoroughly convinced by everything else he has said before in Romans here. He's saying, I am thoroughly convinced that neither death nor life, nor angels or principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor death, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in who? Christ Jesus, our Lord. That's who we anticipated. To come and he came and he died on the cross. And they tried to, to eliminate him. They put him in the ground, seal the tomb up. And in three days, what happened? My savior 
rose from the dead. I serve a risen Savior. And the Lord, before he ascended into heaven, basically he told us, what he was telling us is this, get busy, folks. Get busy and tell others about Jesus. And one thing I need, I need to make clear with you is this. When he says tell others about Jesus is this. You don't need to tell anybody about your story. About how you used to do this and you used to do that. Why? Because you are forgiven. If I am forgiven and my Lord Jesus Christ does not resurrect what it was I did or what I am forgiven for. Why do I need to talk to you about it? All I need to tell you is this. I'm saved. I'm saved. By his grace. Amen. Amen. I tell people all the time, especially when they start to, to do, well, I used to this. I say, shut up. I don't want to hear that. You're forgiven. Amen. You understand what I'm saying, brother? Amen. You're forgiven because some things, when you go back there and talk about what you used to do, it is so painful. Why dig it up? Throw the shovel away. And in closing, Hebrews, the 13th chapter. A few pointers I want to just point out to you. Just a few pointers. There are many, but I, I, I only have so much time, folks. <clears throat> verse 13, verse 1. One point. Let brotherly love continue. What do you mean by that, Pastor? Real simple. If you love your brother, you love your sister, pray for them. Pray for them. Point number one. Point number two. Verse three. Remember them that are in bonds. People that are incarcerated. People that are incarcerated in their minds. They're living a normal life. It appears to be normal, but it's not. They have trouble in their lives. Remember them. And if you remember them, what would you be doing for them? You're praying for them. Another point, number four. Marriage, it is honorable. We don't hear that much anymore. But marriage is honorable. Point number five. The Lord, that's in verse six. The Lord is my helper. I will not fear what man shall do unto me. That makes sense. Because what I have in Christ Jesus, nobody can take it away from me. Another point is this. Verse 8. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday and today and forever. You know what that means? My Lord Jesus, he's not changing. The one that has to change, it's me. The one that has to surrender, it's me. The Lord is good. The Lord is good. And in closing, I'm going to close out with a word again. Jude. Before Revelations. Jude is only one chapter. 
It's an interesting read. Jude 24, 25. Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy to the only wise God, our Savior, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and and ever. Amen. Let us all stand. Let us all stand. And in closing, if you're here today, you don't know Christ as your Lord and Savior, get that resolved today. Get it resolved today. If you're here today, you know Christ is your Lord and Savior, but your mind has been going somewhere else. You're starting to slip. Resolve that issue. Resolve that issue tonight. Today's the day of salvation. If you're here tonight and there are things that are, you're dealing with, the Word of God says, Give it to him. Give it to him. And when we call out to the Lord Jesus Christ, when we go to the Lord Jesus Christ with a sincere heart, what does he do? Psalms 86 verse 7 says, In the day of my trouble, I will call upon thee, for thou will what? Answer. That's what we have in Christ Jesus. That's what we have in Christ Jesus. Pray for those that are in bonds. Pray, pray for those that are having trouble. Pray for each other. Lift each other up. Don't wait till trouble comes. Don't wait till trouble comes. James reminds us of the power of prayer. And James, it reminds us and it lets us know it says, the prayer of the what? Faithful avail it much. Let us pray.